This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hey there, welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, the founder of MrDad.com. There's a word, well, it's actually a concept that we've discussed a few times here on the show, epigenetics. And for those who need a reminder, and everybody needs a reminder from time to time, it's the idea that our DNA, which we've all heard gets passed down through genes from generation to generation, is not set in stone, not even close. In fact, a lot of things that we do now, long before we have kids, can actually influence our children later on for generations to come. We're talking about things like diet and exercise and having a healthy attitude or just making generally healthy lifestyle choices. All of those things make a huge difference. They don't necessarily change the DNA itself or what's called the DNA sequence. What it does is it changes the way that the DNA turns genes on or off. That's called expressing. Or, as my guest for this part of today's show says, you don't have to wear the genes you were born with. And we're going to be talking to her about her belief that it's possible to create better outcomes for future generations by changing behaviors and the intake of moms and dads before they conceive. Parents will be able to create a genetic trust fund, as she puts it, setting up their children's genes to express health and wellness, which will in turn give them the best start possible. And we'll get started right after this short break. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel, and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat, and my guest for this part of today's show is Pia Martin, who's the author of Building Healthy Humans, Your Guide to a Balanced and Beautiful Pregnancy for a Happy, Healthy Baby. Pia, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, let's start off with having you talk a little bit about epigenetics. I think it's such a fascinating concept. We've talked about it here on the show a little bit from time to time and mentioned it in the introduction, but... Um, give, give us some sense of, of the, the power of epigenetics, and we'll weave that into our discussion. Okay. Um, first, I just want to say how amazing it is that you're uh, doing all this fabulous work out there, helping dads. It's a real big passion of mine. About epigenetics, um, it's been around, the term's been around for a little bit of, little bit of time. C.H. Waddington coined the term back in 1942. But it's taken us a really long time to really fully understand how our environment affects our gene expression. Scientists define epigenetics as the study of heritable changes in gene function that occur without a change in DNA. So that really means, in English, in layman's terms, that the environment affects gene expression without changing the DNA inside the cell. So it's fascinating stuff, and it's turning biological sciences down. You know, I remember the first time I read about this, I, I think it was it was looking at 
people who were, I guess they were, when their parents were pregnant during the the, uh, potato famine in Ireland, that the children of those parents who were not having, not getting a lot of food during the pregnancy ended up being obese later in life. And that the researchers had found that something had happened, something had shifted in their DNA where their body essentially said, you know, we don't know where our next meal is coming from, so we better we better stock up on calories, and that's what was going on. Right. The environment inside um, the womb um, turned that gene on to create survival. So it's kind of fascinating stuff. We used to think that our children were born with a clean slate, but this um, actual information that we've just learned now and other tests have just shown us that our environment in utero has a huge impact on our um, ability to live and be as humans. In fact, I have an interesting story myself. Um, You know, I have inherited the fat gene, but I didn't know that until recently. And my parents are European too. So, but what's fascinating is I'm not overweight or obese. So it didn't express in me. So I'm I'm grateful for that. What would have happened there? How did, how, how would that have affected you? Well, my, my mother has um, the fat gene. My, you know, it was passed down from generation to generation. And what happens is the environment would cause the um, gene to express. And what happened to me is I was lucky early on that I chose different lifestyle choices than my brothers and sisters in terms of exercise and yoga and meditation and a healthy diet and all of these kinds of things and became a wellness doctor, and therefore the gene did not express in me. All of them are overweight. Does it mean that if I didn't do or didn't make the lifestyle choices that I make today, would I be overweight? Probably would. Um, 23andMe actually suggested that I might be, you know, 60 pounds uh, heavier than I currently am. Wow. So it's fascinating stuff. It is. And, uh, you know, in some ways that's good news to hear, and in other ways, it's depressing. But I want you to talk about the the phrase that you have about you're not you don't have to wear the jeans that you were born with, which is is cute and and clever. But it also makes you think about these things. That the, the bottom line of it is that you have some control over your own life, but you also have some control over giving your child a a different set of options. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I know you know this because you've been talking about it for a while. Um, But I think that it's never too early for moms and dads to start thinking about prenatal health and and parenting. And what we try to teach in our office here is that they can actually turn the genes off to express disease. You don't have to wear the genes you're born with, as you just said. Pia, you've got to speak up a little bit. Sorry, you can use the power of epigenetics to turn genes on and off. Um, lifestyle choices. Uh, we've seen um, that it loads the gun, but it doesn't pull the trigger. So I've seen this so many times in my office. I've seen these transformations happen from one pregnancy to another, or even infertility turn around and become fertile by just making healthy lifestyle choices. So the idea that you have control is huge and you have the power to take, you know, be your own health hero. Um, You're not uh, 
how shall I say, a victim to your genetic outcome. I'm an example of that, and there are many, many examples of that. Well, give us an example of how it works with nutrition, because you talk about that at the beginning of the book, and, and I think that for most people you probably would say that one of the basic lifestyle choices that you're going to make is the kind of food you're going to put into your body before you get pregnant and during the pregnancy. Yeah, that's true. Let me tell you about Rich. Um, Rich is not his real name, of course. Rich is a patient who came in to see me with low back pain. So, you know, we talked a lot about that. He was working out heavily at the gym. He was trying to become the rock because that's what his wife was looking for. And he was really pushing it. He was pushing it at work. He was pushing it in the gym. He was trying to be the best husband and dad he could possibly be. And his body was breaking down tremendously. During his health history, though, I learned that he'd spent the last 13 years, he and his wife, uh, working on infertility treatments. They'd spent thousands of dollars. And he was also fueling himself with lots of carbohydrates because of inflammation and four or five monster drinks a day. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> so he was, he was wired and tired and, um, you know, not expressing good health. He was pretty much broken. So we made a few lifestyle changes. We talked to him a lot about nutrition. The monster drinks needed to go. We talked about pulling back from the gym and maybe not pushing it so hard, but working on some more meditative practices. And within six months, he and his wife became pregnant. His lifestyle changes were so dramatic that they turned off this infertility. And she also started to jump on board. They started cooking meals at home. And after 13 years of trying and, and loads and loads and loads of dollars and, and you know, uh, IVF treatments within six months of these changes, they were pregnant and they're now parents. I have lots of stories like that in my office. It's incredibly powerful, these stories of uh, transformation. That's just diet alone, really. It's fantastic. Is there a an ideal diet for everybody or does it make a difference depending on who you are and what sort of genes you're bringing to the whole picture? That's a very good question. Um, I have learned in my practice that everybody is unique, and that's where it becomes um, an interesting idea, um, this whole idea of epigenetics. We are learning more and more, and science is going to lead us down that road, that each of us is unique. Every one of our environments are different. Um, for example, with, you know, my gene necessarily, um, you know, balancing sugar and carbs would be very, very important to not express insulin resistance and diabetes. So I don't think there's a one diet fits all, actually. I think that this is where we're going to have information, but this is where I also suggest to everyone to start looking at their own environment and making conscious choices. So you have to make a decision. You have to step back. Is this good for me, not good for me? But not just food. It's not just food. It's not just exercise, and it's not just thinking. It's the combination of everything. Do you think that everybody has to have a genetic test, though, to, to make more educated decisions about the kind of diet? And then we'll talk about a lot of other things after we take a quick break here. But what about the genetic testing? Is that important? No. <laughs> okay, good. Let's say, I'll say yes and no, but no, not really, because I think that um, you have to make the fundamental changes anyway. I mean, there's no getting around it. I think uh, um, Ben Lynch did a brilliant job with his book, Dirty Genes, of all of the things that he had learned.
moment, it came down to the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are, you know, eat, drink, think, and fill in the gaps for all of us. Talking with Pia Martin, who's the author of Building Healthy Humans, Your Guide to a Balanced and Beautiful Pregnancy for Happy, Healthy Baby. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to keep talking to Pia about epigenetics and about the things we can do in other areas besides diet, having to do with exercise and healthy attitudes and all of that. I'm Armin Brott, and you're listening to Positive Parenting. Dear Mom and Dad, Well, the Army has finally seen fit to give me some time off, so I'm writing to tell you that I'm doing fine over here. And Mom, since you asked, if anyone wants to help, just tell them to contact the USO. You can't believe how much they do for us. With love, your son Michael. The USO depends on the generosity of the American people. To find out how you can help, visit us at USO.org. The USO, until everyone comes home. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brad. If you're just joining us, talking with Pia Martin, who's the author of Building Healthy Humans, Your Guide to a Balanced and Beautiful Pregnancy for a Happy, Healthy Baby. Uh, Pia, so let's continue on here. You talked about, about diet and the importance of that and the the lack of importance of the genetic testing, which I think will probably come as a relief to a lot of people thinking that you have to get analyzed to figure out what's going on. But, I mean, yeah, you hear about these diets, for example, and I, I only hear about them by reading. I haven't done any of them. But, uh, you know, the blood-type diet that, that says that there's something that's specifically for you if you have a particular type of blood or things like that. And in a way... It sounds attractive because of exactly what you said about everybody's unique, and so there shouldn't be an overall something for everybody. But at the same time, basic fundamentals of good health are probably good for anybody. And whether you have a fat gene or not, uh, moderating your diet and getting good exercise and doing yoga and the things that you're doing, those are going to be good news for everybody or good, good, right? I agree, absolutely. I think one of the best places to really start if you were just starting from ground zero, a lot of people need some support. They need help. They need coaching. Um, And, you know, diets are sometimes attractive that way. Um, People say, okay, I'm going to try the keto or I'm going to try paleo. Um, But I think the fundamentals start when you, you say to yourself, okay, what are humans made of? Let's see. Humans are made of a lot of water. They're made of protein. A lot of mineral, calcium, bone, those kinds of things. Not a lot of sugars and carbohydrates. So if we look at what humans are made of and we look at the balance of our plate, our meal, probably most of us could be eating a lot more mineral, a lot more veggies. That's what I see in, in my practice. Um, where the going to extremes is, is not sustainable um, over time. You know, we've we've talked about a little bit about these things, how they can affect the pregnancy, and I think that it makes intuitive sense for people that it would that, that the mother's diet and the mother's exercise levels and things like that are going to be much more important to the pregnancy. But you talk about the dad's role in this as well. Can you expand on that a little bit about how the epigenetics make it from the dad to the baby? Because it's going to have to go through the mom. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, 50% of the genes come from dad. 
Um, so that's huge, and I think that uh, now that we're understanding that there isn't a genetic clean slate, that you know, for baby, that piece is really, really important. The other thing that's really important is the sperm count and the quality of sperm has decreased 40% in the last 30 years, which is huge. 45% of infertility cases are due to poor quality of semen. Um, for a lot of different reasons, stresses, poor diet, high stress, lack of exercise, and poor sleep. So it is huge for dads to get into shape and to be part of this whole idea of, of planning and pregnancy. The other thing, too, is it's so supportive for moms. If dads are on board and eating healthy, keeping an environment that's stress-free for moms, you know, doing this together, they're in this together. And we've seen a lot in the past where dads are over here, they're not connected to it. I've even had patients of mine come in and say, do you know my wife is going to give birth next week? She's just sprung it on me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what, piece <of> this? <laughs> what piece of this did you miss, you know? So if we understand that, that baby's environment, dads bring a huge role in how they're being, the support, the nutrition, you know, um, and even, you know, postpartum, continuing the behavior, the good, healthy behaviors, the, the good food. Babies are so, they're so intuitive and so smart. They come right out the gate looking and saying, wow, what is happening around me? And they respond to that. And dads are a really big part of that, really big part. Yeah. I'm really encouraged, though, because I'm seeing more and more dads just really stepping up. But we want more because... The state of the union and health today is not great. <laughs> no, it's not. And just, just for those who are, are thinking about this, there, there's a lot of research, and we actually talked to somebody who did some research on this uh, a couple of months ago about preconception and health for dads. And I know that, that uh, guys who work in hazardous waste or who are right. extremely stressful have diff they have more likely to have uh, damaged sperm, which can lead to more birth defects and things like that. So, and, and various drugs can affect the quality and quantity of sperm. So what you're doing can have a, a, an effect even before the baby is, is conceived. So it's a lot of stuff. So let, let's talk about the, the effect of of uh, healthy attitude and healthy thinking and mindset on the genetic expression in the next generation. Are you familiar with Bruce Lipton's work, The Biology of Belief? I have heard of it. I'm not terribly familiar with it, yeah. but, but please explain. Well, Bruce has written a book called The Biology of Belief, and it's all about, you know, um, what happens to the cell and cell expression based on our thoughts. So we often think that, you know, it's about diet, it's about exercise, and like you said, chemical and toxic exposure that you can understand. But we don't necessarily um, understand that our thinking pattern um, uh, has such an ex expression of health. But the way it works is that let's say I'm in an environment where I have a lot of stress, I feel like I can't, I won't, I should, I couldn't, um, I must. When we start thinking about those sorts of things, that behavioral pattern, that thinking pattern um, tends to lead to unhealthy behaviors or self-medication. So someone that's 
spiraling into that type of thinking isn't necessarily going to say, oh, let me have a wonderful green salad with some clean protein, some good fats, and you know, plenty of fresh water, and let me go exercise. It's not usually the way we see choices. So the, the, the thinking, thinking idea comes to the point where then the choices are not made well. And it affects everything around us. We're seeing more and more of that. I'm not a psychologist, but I'm seeing in my practice that when I can, um, for example, if a mom is under high stress and fear comes up for birth and the baby is breached, for example, if we can have the mantra of that whole thing uh, switched to the point of I can, I will, um, I'm ready for this, the baby will position down. Now, it doesn't happen every time. It has to actually be a belief deep inside of you. And it's, it's huge. I hope I'm explaining this well. I'm not a psychologist, but I hope I'm trying to explain this in a way that, yeah. that, that's understandable for people, that it really does make a difference. And, you know, how you're thinking. In fact, one of the reasons I wrote Building Healthy Humans was because my moms were coming into me so stressed because there's so much information they didn't know how to deal with it and instead of they instead of looking for the you know they were looking for the perfect pregnancy instead of the balanced pregnancy sure yeah well one thing i found in in working with an organization called the national healthy start association which is uh, deals with, with low income young couples for the most part is that when moms are stressed during pregnancy, and they can be stressed for a variety of reasons, maybe they're not getting good prenatal care, maybe they don't have a good relationship with the dad, or whatever it is, or yeah. work stress, that they tend to have, or they're more likely to have, premature births and low birth weight babies. And so if if there is one thing that we know, it's the premature birth and low birth weight babies ends up affecting kids or can affect them for their entire life, and it's not a good thing. So whatever can be done to reduce the stress is going to be incredibly important. Absolutely, and, and we're seeing um, that when the, when babies are born prematurely or they are born to high-stress mothers, the birth itself is usually a little bit tragic. It's often long and arduous, and so there's, there's a lot of that going on as well, and we often find that those babies have asthma and lung issues, exactly. anxiety, and... Um, and then, you know, of course, the big one, autism has gone from 1 in 200 to 1 in 36, which is one of the reasons I'm so passionate about building a genetic trust fund. This is not going in the right way. I am very, very concerned about um, this statistic in particular, and I'm wondering how these children are going to operate in the world. Um, how are they going to hold down jobs? How are they, you know, going to be able to just be... It's Quite alarming. I, I'm, 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 I'm nervous about this. <laughs> really nervous. I think we all should be. Dr. Yeah. Pia Martins, the author of Building Healthy Humans, Your Guide to a Balanced and Beautiful Pregnancy for a Happy, Healthy Baby. Have you got a website? I People? have. www.drpia.com. That's D-R-P-I-A.com. Okay. Sounds great. Pia, thanks very much. Thank you so much. Did you know one in three adults is at risk for kidney disease? If you have high blood pressure or diabetes, you could be the one. I was looking in the newspaper and saw an article that said if you have symptoms for kidney disease, you should see your doctor. And I really didn't expect anything because I felt healthy. I didn't worry about my borderline high blood pressure. 
Turns out it was silently inflicting kidney disease. When you know, it's almost too late. Visit the National Kidney Foundation at kidney.org. Now you know. I don't recycle. I mean, we can just find another planet for your kids to live on, you know? Log on to yougottobekidding.org and learn about all the ways you can recycle. Hey, recycling's just not my thing. Don't be that guy. Log on to yougottobekidding.org. Hey there, welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armand Brunt, and it's time for a Parents at Play segment. Besides camps, poison oak, blockbuster movies, vacations, and sunburn, summer is also known as a time when kids forget a little too much of what they've just spent the previous school year learning. But it doesn't have to be that way. This is the first of several segments that will highlight some of the many ways you can help turn that dreaded summer brain drain into a brain gain. And there's no better place to start than with history. Little Guides to Great Lives from Lawrence King. One of the best ways to learn about history is to read about the lives of the people who lived it. And this new series of books for young readers is excellent. Each of these 64-page books is charmingly illustrated and filled with stories, scenes, and fascinating nuggets from the subject's life. So if you want to know how Nelson Mandela inspired the world, why Amelia Earhart is an aviation hero, what makes Leonardo da Vinci a genius, and why Frida Kahlo is an art icon, and what Marie Curie did to become a science superstar, look no further. Although they're written for children, adults will love these books too, and they're perfect to read aloud. They're for ages 7 and up, cost $11.99 apiece. More information at lawrenceking.com. Who Owns These Bones? from Lawrence King. This book is a clever collaboration between an ethnologist named Henri Cap, a writer named Raphael Martin, and an illustrator, Renaud Vigour, and the result is both engaging and educational. In it, you'll learn more than you thought possible about skeletons, what makes each one unique, and how to tell similar ones, like a human and a gorilla, apart. You'll also learn what skulls and other bones teach us about animal anatomy and how they developed. For example, did you know that tree frogs use their eyeballs to move food from the front of their mouth to the back of their throat? Weird, huh? They're for ages 7 and up. Cost twenty one ninety nine, and it's from lawrenceking.com. Terrific Timelines from Lawrence King. This growing series takes readers on a meandering walk through a specific time period or theme and features press-out figures that become part of a physical timeline. Dinosaurs goes through the Triassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous eras and introduces 20 dinosaurs, including a few we'd never heard of, such as the Pachycephalosaurus, the one with the crash helmet head. You'll learn when they lived, what they ate, what ate them, and more. Cars covers a much, much shorter period of time, starting in the 1880s with the first horseless carriage. It moves through classics like the original VW Beetle and the Jaguar XK120, and all the way up to the Tesla Model X and the Waymo self-driving car. There's a concise history of each vehicle and plenty of trivia sprinkled throughout, such as the 2010 traffic jam in China that was 62 miles long and lasted 12 days. Who knew? It's for ages 6 and up. Costs less than $12. More info at lawrenceking.com. My London, Color, Draw, and Explore from Lawrence King. 
planning a trip to Europe this summer? Interested in adding a history to the Harry Potter books? Or just love architecture? Whatever your reason, London is an amazing city, and this book, illustrated by Majel van der Mullen, takes you on a tour of everything from Shakespeare's Globe Theater to the Cheese Grater and the Gherkin. Those are both buildings. And there's plenty of history, trivia, and places to draw your own buildings along the way. There are even a few With Love from London postcards that you can use to fool your friends into thinking that you went to London even if you didn't. It's for ages 6 and up. Costs about 10 bucks. More info at lawrenceking.com. You can get a lot more information about toys and games and activities and all sorts of other wonderful things to do with your family at our website, parentsatplay.com. We'll be back next week with another show for you. But there's a lot more of this show coming right up, so don't go anywhere. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brott, after this. From the MrDad.com radio network. All right, class. Let's hear what everyone did this weekend. Jill? Well, I raised my older sister to a big oak tree. It was at least a hundred years old. My mom said I must have set a record or something. And then we went down by a stream and perched up on this huge rock and saw all of these little minnows swimming around way below us. And then I rescued my little brother from an evil slug king who was guarding him at the bush fortress. And my sister and I brought him back to our super twig fort for safety. And then we all laid out and told stories until it got dark. And the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? Yeah. We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Anyone want to come this weekend? Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week and find the fun, adventurous you. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Now, get ready for more positive parenting with Armin Brott from the MrDad.com radio network. Hey there, welcome to the second part of today's Positive Parenting Show. I'm Armin Brock, the founder of MrDad.com, and I want to thank you for staying with us. Considering how important money is in our lives and how much we use it for every single thing that we do and how much of our time and energy we spend out there in the world trying to earn it, you'd think that we'd know more about it, like about what to do with it when we get it, about how to save it, about how to use it to pay for our bills and things like that. But unfortunately, we don't. And I've actually seen some studies fairly recently that talk about how parents, when it comes to talking to their kids about money, they'd rather talk about sex or death or all sorts of other things than money. It's something that we just have a really difficult time dealing with. Well, in this part of today's show, we're going to hopefully straighten some of that out for you because we've got a financial expert who's going to be talking with us about all sorts of money-related things. And she's got some great suggestions and tips and resources for us about overall generally how to, how to improve our finances, how to get out of debt, how to deal with credit cards and how to understand what credit cards are for and how to stay away from some of those traps that a lot of people fall into. We'll talk about whether to lease or to buy when it comes to cars and things having to do with mortgage payments, paying for college, building savings, and also getting the kids ready to go and 
allowances and getting them to understand a little bit about the things that are so difficult for us adults. And it all starts when Positive Parenting continues right after this. Excuse me, do you know how to get to Maine and Maple? How's that cook? How do you change the ringtone? How much does this cost? Does this bus stop at Elm Street? We ask questions everywhere in life, except... Any questions? Um, no. At the doctor's office, ask questions. What is this test for? Are there any side effects? Questions lead to better health care. Go to ahrq.gov for a list of 10 questions everyone should know. Questions are the answer. Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, and my guest for this part of today's show is Jeanette Mack, who is the Assistant Vice President of Corporate Communications at Navy Federal Credit Union. Jeanette, thanks for joining us. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So families and money, you'd think that they would kind of go together since there's so much money that's going out the door to <laughs> to spend on kids, and you, you see these articles every once in a while about the horrible uh, amount of money that it costs to get a child from zero to 18. But that's just the beginning because then they go off to college and you've got to pay for that. And then they move back home after a while and you got to keep paying for that. And it, it can be a really stressful thing, can't it? Yes, it, it can. It can. But, you know, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> it, it, there are going to be ups and downs in that road, but but it doesn't have to be. No, that's true. It can, and, and that's what we're going to be talking about today is is how to yeah. how to gain some some control over it. I think one of the first things is is to to, to education. I mean, I, I you keep that comes up in almost every area of parenting and in life in general. Is the more you know about stuff, the better off you're going to be. And it's surprising. I, I I read a lot of financial articles and and surprising the these surveys that get done about how few people really understand what money is all about. Tell us what some tools are that you folks have uh, that can help with financial literacy, just to get people so they understand the words that they're hearing when when they're reading the paper or listening to it on CNN or whatever. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, it's oddly enough, one of the places that people rarely even think to look for financial literacy or or help in in resources is their, their own financial institution, which I would say is probably the first place that you should go, and uh, you know, because there's there's so much wrapped up in, in being into being a you know a, a customer of a bank or a member at a credit union that, you know, that it's the checking accounts and the savings accounts and the products and services. But part of that service is also helping you get to your financial goals, and you know, a really good subtle financial institution will be giving you the tools and the resources to help you go from not knowing anything, not knowing what credit means or what a credit score is, to absolutely knowing what a credit score is and not only that, but how to get a really good one and how to make sure that you're safely getting into, you know, those things like an auto loan or, or a home loan or even just a, a short-term personal loan and paying it off successfully in the end. So I would definitely say your financial institution is a great, great place to start and, yeah. of course, online. Well, tell us about a couple of the big ones because I think, the, you know, the, when, when you put it in terms of financial literacy, it sounds like you need a college course for that. And it, it doesn't have to be, it can be, but it doesn't have to be that complicated. What are the are a couple of the things that people need to know right away? Know right away that, um, you know, help is out there. 
And so, for instance, if just by going, say, I'll take Navy Federal, for example, because, uh, you know, we have a, a microsite that's dedicated to this, to taking you from not knowing anything to, to getting yourself safely into a, a, a new loan product or, uh, you know, a credit card for the first time. There's going to be some angst, but the thing is that there is a way to go from, from you know, from A, point A, not, not having what you need to getting the next step done is education, availing yourself of the resources, and then, you know, successfully applying for a credit card or, or a new car loan or, or whatever it is that's, that's going to take you to where you need to be to fulfill your goals. And so for, at Navy Federal, we, we dedicated a microsite to that, and it's called mm -hmm. uh, Making Sense. And so if you wanted to go there, you, do, you don't even have to be a member of Navy Federal to, to use this microsite. And um, so if you want to go there, you can get, check it out on um, www.makingsense.navyfederal.org. And when you go there, you'll see that anything from, you know, just wanting to learn about credit or get, you know, what is a credit score or how to get into a credit card, that's a track. Right. And then another another track will take you to auto loans and how to apply for an auto loan. And okay. then another track will take you down the, the road to even applying for a home loan. So mm -hmm. it makes it really, really easy for people. Well, let's go to credit for just a minute because I think that sure. is so huge. And this is something I, I, I don't spend a huge amount of time watching TV, but I, I try when I'm doing it to watch it with my 15-year-old. My and. And she's getting old enough to, to be aware of these things. I mean, she's past the stage where you know, little kids are where they say, why don't you get money out of one of those machines? Because that, <laughs> that's the way they understand it. But she, yeah, she has the a magic machine. <laughs> yeah, she has a sense now. And, and, you know, we see these credit card commercials and people are so gleeful about they want to pay for this and they want to pay for that so that they can get the miles or the double points or whatever. And mm -hmm, it, it, mm -hmm. makes, it makes spending, to me, as somebody who pays off his credit cards with the, the minute they come, I have no balances and never have. Right. But it, it makes me scream that, that you're, you're saying, oh, just pull out the piece of plastic and buy something. It doesn't matter if you can pay for it or not. What, I mean, that, that's, what do you tell people about when they're first opening up their credit cards? Well, the key to understanding credit is that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the thing that, that makes or breaks you throughout your financial life. And let's face it, you're, you're going to have to spend money to live. It, there's just no avoiding it. So the, the key to, to, to understanding this um, is that you have to be able to spend wisely and use credit wisely so that you can be successful in the end. That piece of plastic is not a way to make all your dreams come true without ramifications, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that Thank you. you yes. You've got to be able to, yes, you ha you've got to be able to learn how to, to discipline yourself. Um, and the way to do that is by creating a budget for yourself. I, I don't care where you are in your financial life, and I don't care how financially savvy you are. You won't, you won't get there without a budget. And, I, and I'll, I'll guarantee you that even the most successful people um, will tell you that. The, the, the budget is basically... I like to think of it as the GPS for your financial journey. Um, so, you know, and everybody can understand what GPS is. I mean, if you have to go from here to a town you've never been to, and let's call that town financial success, you don't just get in your car and then start driving. You're going to waste time and you're going to waste gas. So let's equate that to the time that you spend, um, you know, researching how to, how to get into a credit card. That, that's that's going to that's gonna help you reach your financial goal. Or looking at where your money is coming in and how much can actually go towards an expense. The in, what's coming in and what's going out. That, knowing that budget, that's going to really help you in understanding how much you can actually pull off that credit card or whether or not you should 
keep the credit card in your wallet and stay home and watch TV. <laughs> right. Now, speaking of, of credit, there's another, it's almost like the, the other side of all those credit card commercials is the check your credit score kinds of things. And mm -hmm. the, the impression that those give, because whenever you see somebody checking their score, the thing that they show on the little phone that they're checking their score on is that the score goes up. And it's all, the implication is almost that by checking your score regularly, it's going to improve it. That's not mm -hmm. how you improve your credit score. Would you, <laughs> would you please no, tell no. us uh, as, no, as a financial expert how that happens? How do you improve <laughs> your credit score? Right. Right. I mean, I, that, I'll use the analogy of like, you know, keep, keep opening the fridge to see if anything's changed if, and you haven't gone to the grocery exactly. store. Exactly, yes. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Checking on it does not mean you're being responsible. What The key to being responsible with credit is paying regularly, paying on time or even early, and only using what you need or what you can safely pay back. Because the one thing that you have to understand about credit, even on credit cards that revolve, you have to pay it off in the end. You will have to pay it off. It's not something that you're just going to live with forever and ever and never have to pay or to pay off at some point. The goal is to actually get to where that balance is near to zero on a monthly basis or as, as much as you can safely afford it to be that way. So there's some dispute out there, and, and you see certain articles on certain sites that will say the best way to build your credit is to carry a balance and pay it down, but carry a balance. And then other places say the best way you can do it is just to pay the thing off to, to begin just so you don't carry a balance. Is there some strategy to carrying a balance? There is, and and what the what you need to understand is that you know y yes you're going to there are going to be times where you're going to have to put something on credit and you're not going to be able to pay it off within a month that that is understandable that's the good thing about having a credit card that you have that availability to do that but what you need to do is make sure that you're keeping your balance much lower than the uh, the line of credit that you've been extended. Because if you've been paying responsibly and you've been doing yourself the solid of keeping a great credit score by paying on time and, and keeping yourself in good standing, then credit card companies or issuers might do you a solid and extend you another $20,000 or $10,000 or even $500 more credit. And a lot of people are tempted to say, hey, well, that means I can spend more. No, what that means is that you have you have more breathing room in your budget, but you need to keep it there. You need to keep it within at least if you have a credit card that's, that's $20,000, say, in um, available credit, then keep it to within $2,000. You know, $2,000 is a good balance to maintain mm -hmm. on a $20,000, you know, card. So there's a formula there that lenders and, and uh, financial institutions will look at called debt-to-income ratio. That means what do you have to what, what amount of money that comes in versus how much money you actually have to pay in debt. And the more that number keeps shrinking, that means that your score is going to shrink as well. Your credit score is going to shrink, and that makes you less of a, um, of a, um, a credit-worthy um, customer for your, for your financial right. institution. So you want to keep that... Keep that range really, really, um, you know, keep the distance between your debt and the amount of money that, that, you, that you bring in on a monthly basis. Talking with Jeanette Mack, who's the Assistant VP of Corporate Communications at Navy Federal Credit Union. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will keep talking to Jeanette about a lot more other financial things. I'm Armin Brott. You're listening to Positive Parenting. My son Casey was a bright, fearless 20-year-old with a boundless future ahead of him. But in the blink of an eye, he was gone. 
While out riding a skateboard, Casey fell. He was not wearing a helmet. Our whole family wishes he was. It could have saved his life. I'm Captain Kevin Raffelli of the San Mateo Police Department. Parents, encourage your kids to strap on a helmet every time they jump on a bike, scooter, or skateboard. Think of my son Casey and use your head. Put a helmet on. It could save your life. A message from the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. If you're just joining us, I'm talking to Jeanette Mack, who's the Assistant VP of Corporate Communications at Navy Federal Credit Union, and want to get you to tell us a little bit about some of the things that people can do, particularly people who young families, whether they're in the military or, or elsewhere. And a lot of families are, are living, I don't want to say hand-to-mouth, that's such a horrible expression, but paycheck to paycheck. They're not able to put a lot away. How do you begin starting how do you put together some kind of a program where you can start getting out of that that rut where you can start saving yeah. and you can start building credit and you can start doing the things that you need to do to be a, a responsible grown up later <laughs> well you know it's it's tough and you know we see that a lot at navy federal you know the families that that are doing that uh, you know living um pretty tightly from paycheck to paycheck but, you know, there is one thing that I think that a lot of people and a lot of families um, neglect to do, and that is to look at, clo- take a close, serious look at, at how you're spending your money or where your money is going because, you know, there are small things that you can do, small behavioral things that you can do to change how much money you have at the, in the, end, at the end of each month or at the end of each week or however it is that you get paid. And that is to look at, you know, say say you are the kind of person that leaves your house and, and spends four bucks on a coffee, and you think it's just four bucks, but by the end of the month, you've, you've paid $100 just towards coffee. Um, you know, I like to call these kinds of things invisible expenses, the things that you kind of do habitually or that you've done to yourself one time that you totally forgot about, like, you know, buying a, a, a gym membership that comes out of your, your paycheck automatically, and you've you don't go to the gym and yet you still pay $20 a month towards this or, you know, the things that you're doing to, to really not help yourself, like, you know, checking out uh, ways to spend less on groceries or to, to you know, spend less on, um, you know, electricity or the things that, that, that really affect how much you pay monthly in, in bills yeah, and how much yeah. you have in excess, you know. So you really need to um, to examine the the way that you're spending your money and find those those places where excess funds can be kind of recouped and put back into the family budget. Yeah, and you know, I, I would advocate also for being really careful to check your credit card bills if you have credit card bills because I, I've noticed this when I check my, my daughter's, she has a, her ATM card, and and there have been a couple times where she has inadvertently signed up for some sort of a monthly service charge thing. And so there's 10 yeah. bucks or 20 bucks a month on there, which she mm-hmm. didn't realize that she'd signed up for, and she doesn't look at the bill. She doesn't look at the thing, um, you know. And and I've found stuff on my credit card statement that somebody got my card and bought something, or you know, whatever it is. So you may be able to save some money there. That's just being yeah. taken from you. Yes, exactly, exactly. And and that's the way that you know those those kinds of things can really eat at your budget. And you'd be surprised at how much those little expenditures over yeah. time absolutely can can really add up. Yeah, 
you know, you get a couple yeah. of those, and that's a, a month's mortgage payment if you add them all up. Uh, let, let's let's yeah. talk about leasing versus buying. You did mention credit or buying cars, and mm-hmm. that's such a such a complicated thing, leasing versus versus yeah. buying. And and uh, you know, it's another one of these somewhat deceptive things where they say you can get the car for one hundred and twenty nine dollars a month. Well, that's true, but mm-hmm. you've got to put five thousand dollars down. So if you divide up five thousand dollars by the twenty four months of the lease, that's that's two hundred dollars a month more, so it's really not one hundred and twenty nine. It's really three twenty nine. So, how do you mm-hmm. make sense of the lease versus buy discussion, and, and who's it good for, and who's it not? Right. So you know, you're absolutely right. When whether it's buying or leasing, most people only look at how much does the car cost on a monthly basis. And you know, while that is a major uh, part of how you can afford the vehicle, it is not the only part of the equation that you have to pay attention to. So especially when you're looking at leasing, I mean, there's, there's some cost benefits to leasing. You know, um, you can, um, you're only paying for the portion of the car that you're using. But there again, it also has to make sure that it makes sense for your lifestyle. So you said, you know, who's it, who does it make sense for? Well, it makes sense for someone who doesn't drive that often. It makes sense for someone who doesn't drive that hard, you know. <laughs> so, you know, who, do, who doesn't have, uh, you know, 20 kids piling into the, into the car every day and the chances of, of you know, the car getting uh, messed up and in repairs having to be done to it and then, you know, taking it across country to grandma's, uh, you know, on a monthly basis or, or, you know, that kind of thing so because of the mileage that, the mileage limits exactly. that go into leasing yeah. a car. Yeah. So you you really do have to examine whether or not you um, you know you're the kind of a candidate for leasing, meaning I don't drive that much. I'm 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 I use cars pretty well, and I only really want a a, a, car, a, a new car every two years. You know that kind of thing, and I never really want to stop making payments because that's also part of leasing is that the, the monthly payment thing never goes away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. So you give <laughs> you, the you car do, back. You're, 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 con- you're constantly having to make to either, um, you know, you think about whether or not you're going to pay the residual value on the car at the end of the lease or put down another chunk of money on another lease. Um, but it does make sense, like I said, for people who, who, the, who those situations are totally okay with financially and they want a new car more often. Buying a car gives you an asset at the end. And, and, it, and what it does is it says that I am going to have to pay a monthly payment for four years or five years. I do not, absolutely do not recommend paying uh, for a car for, you know, just because you want to afford the payment. Um, say it's $200 payment. Yeah, you can you, get seven or eight years for now. 84, yeah, eight, yeah, 84 month term kind of thing. Now you're paying for a car probably, it, it's it's possible that you could be paying way more for that car than it's worth in the end at the end of that that loan term so you really need to do yourself a favor and do the research even when you're buying a car to make sure that the the monthly payment and the and the uh, interest rate are going to put you in a good position at the end of the loan term meaning that car is still going to have some value left um, some value in it that's been uh, worth your while in in funds paying for it now you deal with, at Navy Federal with a lot of military families, veterans, and people from the Department of Defense, and so you're, you've got a lot of people coming in the door who have a VA loan, and mm-hmm. but not everybody knows what a VA loan is. I mean, you, you, you get a certificate from the VA that says you got a loan. Will you explain what that is a little bit? We only have a couple minutes left, but talk about what, what that's about and how people can get it yes. and what the advantages and disadvantages are, because there can be some pretty steep fees up front. Yeah. Well, you know, there, 
there's a common misconception about some of those fees. So some of those fees um, up front for a VA loan um, can, can also be rolled into the loan. So the, the one thing that I will say about the VA loan that's most important for people to know is that it's, if you're if you're in the military and you want to buy a home, that's the loan you need to use. Okay, you should absolutely should make sure that you, that you uh, uh, you know are eligible. But then once you once you check your eligibility, go into go into uh, the VA loan because of the fact that it it does not require a down payment for you to to buy a home, and that is a huge cost saving. So it say if you want to buy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, a two hundred thousand dollar home. That's twenty thousand dollars. You don't have to put out of pocket for a down payment on your home. So that that benefit is actually worth your time, and it does it it is it makes qualifying for a home much easier for someone who's in the military as well. So it's definitely something that you need to 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 look into when you're going to buy a home. And then the next thing is to make sure that you're going with a lender who has the expertise to take you through that VA loan process with ease. If you go with a lender who doesn't know the, the VA loan process, that it might take longer and there might be a few, uh, you know, uh, hiccups and bumps along the way. So highly recommend someone who says that they are an expert in the VA loan process. Now, if somebody has the down payment, is a VA yeah. loan still a good choice or would they be better off without that? Uh, the VA loan is, is still a good choice. Um, to to think about because of the fact that um, you know it's it's available to only to the military and the fact that it makes getting into the home easier. But also, I would say you do need to compare because if you have if you have a, a down payment, then then you could compare mortgage loan products and see which one is going to be going to make the most sense for how long you're going to live in the home. And, and how much you're going to pay over the, you know, over the span of the 30-year the loan process, or say if it's a 15-year mortgage that you're looking at, you might want to compare, um, you know, how much you're going to pay over the life of the loan um, comparatively between each mortgage product that you're looking at. So in that case, again, looking, talking to your financial institution, because that can be complex, and a good uh, financial, financial institution or loan uh, processor will help you understand what the, uh, the options are and try to find the one that fits your budget and your needs exactly. I've been talking with Jeanette Mack, who's the Assistant VP of Corporate Communications at Navy Federal Credit Union. What's the website, Jeanette? It is NavyFederal.org, or if you want to check out Making Sense, go to NavyFederal.MakingSense.org. Okay. Jeanette Mack, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.